When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. What up, Sea of Red? You're listening to Into the Flames, a Calgary Flames fan podcast. Your home for all things Flames and updates around the NHL. With your hosts, Raja Burry and Noah Eppleston. Into the Flames, new episodes every Sunday. Iggy's back. He's now the special advisor to the GM. When that news came out, that news came out like three hours after our last episode uploaded. So the top comment yeah. on our last episode is, lol, y'all missed Iggy's announcement. I was going to say, like, we haven't talked about this already, but I guess we haven't. <laughs> we really haven't. Dude, I'm like so behind. Over a month. Over a month now, we haven't recorded. Not much has happened compared to what we thought was going to happen. But, you know, this is like one of the few pieces of good news, which mm-hmm. is nice um you know you see him and he he even did like an instagram post today and it's just like you can't help but you know love him and like it brings it brings a level of respectability back to the flames that they desperately need right like (laughs) i want to see right like when the kids are being drafted into the draft floor and be like hey yeah shake everybody's hand like yeah it's cool to shake jerome mcgillis hand instead of having like jay feaster stick his sweaty uh sausage fingers out of you and be like well one of the flames it's like no, we needed that so bad. So it's so, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Afterwards, they finally announced the entirety of the coaching staff. Like last time we recorded a video about just Huska. But now we know that Mark Savard is now our new power play guy and forwards guy. And Dan Lambert is our new defense guy and our new PK guy. And overall, we've got three assistants now. So Mark Savard, Dan Lambert, Kale McLean. Jason LaBarbera stays as the goaltending coach and Jamie Pringle stays as our video coach. So there's that little update in regards to the coaching staff. Yeah. Loss of Mitch Love too. Yeah. And we can, we can talk about that. And why are the Washington Capitals obsessed with those? Like actually though, Sonny Milano, right? Early, early last year, right? Then you have Mitch Love goes over there. Matthew Phillips then follows him, right? And today we hear about Kirk Muller going there too. Oh, like, forgot about that. Like Ovi's punching the air right now. He's not getting across. He's not getting Kirk, across yeah. pass for his, save his life. Kirk Muller's like, Ovi, you know what? I know you've scored like 600 goals from this spot. We want you below. We want you in front of the net. Um, you're not really going to touch the puck, but I think that's the best place for you. Sounds good. Yeah, like, so much for Ovi's chase to, to catch Wayne's. Record that's gone. That's out. That's out the door. Now that Kirk's in town, <laughs> poor guy. <laughs> yeah, it, it was cool to see Savard. Like I know they're really like milking the nostalgia, but hey, it's working. It's working for me. You know, trot out Conroy. I'm like Iggy, Mark Savard. Come on, yeah, I, that really got me stoked. Even just on name value alone. So if that's what they're going for, it definitely worked. Um, I love. I yeah, big Mark Savard guy over here. Now that we're on the coaching news, you can just get all the coaching news out of the way. Uh, three days ago, they announced that Trent Cull is the new Wranglers head coach. This is this is a little excerpt they have of him on Canucks Army. Cull joins the Flames organization with plenty of experience as both a coach and player under his belt. He's been behind the bench fairly continuously since 2004, primarily in the AHL. Prior to joining the Canucks organization in 2017, Cull was an assistant coach with the AHL Syracuse Crunch for eight seasons. And then he had a brief stint in Sudbury in the OHL from 2010 to 2013. He was an assistant with the Guelph Storm when I was like five. So that's nice. He was also the head coach of the Utica Comets from 2017 to 2021. 
and was the head coach of the Abbotsford Canucks inaugural season. Yeah, he was promoted to the Canucks bench at the NHL level before being let go alongside Bruce Boudreau in January. So, Oh, yeah, the unceremonious dismissal of those guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think I think Trent's going to be... Um, hey, if Dustin Wolf's up here and Matt Coronado's up here and Jacob Pelche's up here next year, like I think he might be in for a uh, bit of a rough go down there in in Calgary this year. Like he's got a got a tough job ahead of him with like, hopefully with, with all the good kids, uh, hopefully coming to Calgary and no Matthew Phillips anymore. So um, yeah, he's going to have to ride. Maybe Brett Sutter will be back. I don't know. He'll have to ride those guys pretty hard. Um, yeah. It's a tough job, right? Big shoes to fill and left behind by Mitch Love. If you can't, okay. I think this is an indictment. Like if you can't even convince the guy who's from Calgary, right? Yeah. The homegrown kid, you can't even convince him to stay. I think he got he got some kind of problem, but mm-hmm. but I do I do think it's more like uh, obviously you know like, um, Phillips following Mitch Love, right? Like, I think that's he that's huge. He's had tons of success under Mitch Love. That's that's a big thing, for sure. Big part of it. Like yeah, I think all things being equal, I I I think he would have been back in Calgary if Mitch was still around. At the end of the day, like I think he's looking what he's looking for next year is like hey like this is this is kind of probably it for him like if he doesn't make good on whatever happens this next year like he's probably not getting a great chance again like you look at guys like austin zarnick who i think is a good comparable to him he gets a chance in calgary his first contract and like he was okay but he just kind of proved to just be like a bubble guy so i'm sure matt is looking beyond like just you know where do i want to be what's the best fit necessarily and and looking at okay where can I have the best season possible and be able to get another contract and establish myself as at least a somewhat regular NHLer and following a guy who you've had great success under, I think is probably what he's, he's doing for sure, but it sucks and pissing yeah, me off. I'm going to miss I'm that. So, guy. I'm so mad. I, it's, it's so maddening because like that again, like everyone, you know, they never gave him a chance. Right. Like, no, I don't think anybody ever sat here and was like, oh, he's going to be the, like, I hear the stuff, you know, oh, he's the next Marty San Louis. It's like, no, he isn't no, like no chance. Oh, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. No, he's not going to be in the Hall of Fame. He's probably a bubble NHLer for sure. And he might be too small. Everybody might be right. But it was just like for the fact, I think the fact he's from Calgary is what pissed me off the most. And what pissed most of it's like homegrown guy, which we never really see around here who everybody loves, who's ripped it up with the American League team. And you never, you never gave him a chance. He played three NHL games. He never even got to play a game on home ice, saddled home ice with people in attendance. And yeah. that's that bugs me. Because yeah, like maybe he's he's Austin Zarnick. Maybe he's like again, I think it's gonna be very difficult for him to, you know, overcome that hurdle of being so tiny. Like the guy is so tiny. Like he's 140 pounds soaking wet. Um, that's always gonna be a challenge for him, but could have been like maybe Paul Byron, like the next Paul Byron, right? And you've already seen the Flames do that, discard of a, a young, skilled player because they're small, you know? And then Paul Byron had like two 20-goal seasons in Montreal at one point. So, hey, maybe he could be that. Maybe that's his upside. So I think for the most part, it's just the guys from Calgary, just give him a shot. What are you doing? I, I hope, like, again, like I'm so happy for him. I'm glad he, like, that's cool. He gets to go play with Obi. Like, that's so cool. I hope he lights it up. I don't know if he will. I've never been one of these guys like, oh, Phillips is going to be great. I don't know. We'll see. He's really small. And like, if you've watched him a lot, like he does have skill, but I I think his skill level might not be close to where it needs to be for him to overcome his size difference. But I hope he does so well next year that he just embarrasses our franchise. And I don't say that lightly. Like, I, I hope he does so well. Anyways, go get him, Matt. Yeah. And I mean, I wonder if like, I like obviously Mitch Love was like the gravitational pull, but I also wonder if like contract structure steered him away because I'm pretty sure the deal he's yeah. in Washington is a one way, whereas yeah. in Calgary, they offered him a two year deal. So my brain immediately went, oh, they offered him the Ruzichka structure. So yeah, year two way <laughs> next year one. Right. He's, he's looking at how Ruzichka has been used and uh, treated and he's like, no. <laughs> I'm out of here. Yeah, I don't know if it was confirmed. I think that's kind of what it sounds like. 
that it was the first year was two way than the next year was. And again, like that's probably, you know, that's probably a difference maker for sure. Like he wants to get on with this and get into the NHL and get rolling here. He's 20. He's not young anymore. He's 20, what, 25, 26. Yeah. 25. He was drafted. What the year after before Dubé 20, when was he drafted 2016 or 2015? I think 2016. So the yeah. same year as Dubé, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he want. I'm sure a fresh start is he's happy about that. And, and I mean, like my biggest thing, because like I was in, I was in Europe. My biggest fear was that all these trades were going to go down, and I'm going <laughs> to up unable to record and talk about any of it. And literally at the airport, leaving Calgary, Toffoli gets dealt to the Devils, like just before I go through security. So I didn't even see the return until after. And then I, I look at it, and it's Igor Sharangovich and a third round pick. And you know, pick number 80, which we draft used to select Suniev, but um yeah, so when I when I when that trade happened, I immediately went, okay, if you're getting a guy like Igor here, there's gonna be a long-term extension in place, right? Like this is probably someone they would want to sign to something cost controlled. Because if he yeah. breaks out, great. And he signs for 3.1 mil for two years and it walks him straight to UFA. I don't know. That whole that whole ordeal kind of shook me a bit because I was like, okay, I understand the market is pretty diminished because all the trades that happened that weren't like, I don't know, Alex to Brinkett, the return was pretty like, it was pretty like either below you get nothing yeah. or straight up cap dump. Like, yeah. And the market just seems very off-putting in the sense that like Toffoli just had a career year and yeah, he went for Sharon Govich. And he's on the dollar. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it was yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm gonna I'm always gonna miss Toffoli. He was only with us for a year and a half, but like bro was like my lifeline this last season. Like Man, like I, he's yeah, gonna he was a stud. He's gonna tear it up. Oh, right. they're gonna be so good. They're like their cup contender, like probably number one, I think. Dude, like this upcoming top. year, like if they get a gold, if they make a trade for a goaltender, like man, their their top six isn't uh, is insane. And I mean, that's a perfect spot for Toffoli because you know, like he's not a great skater. He's playing with a lot of guys who can carry the puck for him. Like, can you imagine that power play? Like, he's the only reason our power play was not the worst in the league this year. Man, Jackie Hughes. Oh, man, he's good. That's a perfect fit. It's a great trade for the Devils, and it made me really jealous. Like I use this analogy a lot. I'll get back to the Flames in a second, but it's like it's so funny to me to like look at life cycles of other teams. And I mean, like you look at a team like the New Jersey Devils, who have historically been like one of the most successful franchises in history, right? Mm -hmm. Lots of Stanley Cups, lots of playoff success, and it's like it's funny because like they make the Stanley Cup final in what 2012? 2012, they play the LA Kings. So like LA and New Jersey are two teams who I look at and it's like, this is weird. It's like, so in the years like 2012, 2014, those are, those are teams that are in, in LA's case, winning Stanley Cups in New Jersey's case, in like in the final, in the playoffs, in the hunt every year. And in 2014 is when the Flames start our rebuild, right? It's like those teams have gone from in the cup final and winning cups to rebuilt, to being fully rebuilt and contenders again, in the same span of time where we've been like, we kind of rebuilt and then like have been spinning our tires. It's just so interesting to me, you know, that like the flames are so hell bent against rebuilding when it's like, well, it's going to take so long. It's like other teams have beat you to it coming out of being a champion already. What are you doing? Get moving. Anyways, that was just a little pet peeve I have there. But yeah, I mean, like, I think an overall view of the Toffoli trade kind of irked me. And it's kind of been like, so far, um, like a microcosm of kind of how I felt with what Conroy in charge. It was like everything's just kind of like whelming, you know, under I'm kind of underwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not really sure. Usually I, you know, the last 10 years, I think watching this team every offseason, I kind of know what to expect. I know I have my feet on the ground. I like I know what's kind of going on. I have my head rooted in what I think they're trying to do and what they're going to do. And I can make sense of all this. It's like right now, I don't really know where I'm at because I don't really know if they know where they're at. Right. It's like, yeah, like you just ran through. It was like all those 
parts of the Toffoli trade that just kind of don't make sense. It's like, okay, well, you waited so long and we're like dicked around with Lindholm and Hannafin that to where you drove Toffoli to the point where he's like, yeah, I don't want to be here, right? Let me back up one step. You already addressed that you weren't gonna that you were gonna deal with these pending UFAs, Euro UFAs this offseason. So you, you put that out there into the public, which I think looking back, like maybe it was probably something Conroy shouldn't have said because now everybody knows your intentions, right? And you've given all the leverage to players and other teams, and you have none for yourself because everybody knows, oh, you're gonna trade these guys or you're screwed. So why should we pay top dollar for any of your players? And then like I said, you wait until Toffoli gets to the point where he's like, yeah, I don't want to be here because I don't feel like I'm a part like you guys really value me. I don't want to I want to trade. So you you get to that point. Right. And then the trade you do make feels like like you said, like this is a guy coming off career year. And based, you know, like it's, I, I think you're right when you say, like, oh, the market sucks. And that's what people have been saying. But it's it's also like Toffoli still the highest value commodity on the market in my in my view, a guy who just came off career year and is at a very appealing uh, dollar in terms of what he makes against the cap and is on a short-term deal. So it gives you cap flex, gives you a great player for one year, and maybe he resigns. So it's just kind of weird that they were able to sell low on a high commodity, right? It's like, how did you turn Tyler Toffoli having 70 plus points and being the best player into like a pretty marginal return, you know? So then I'm like, oh man, okay. So, and then the, sure. Okay. We got Igor Sharangorovich. Like maybe he's a good player. I, he's probably okay. Like, I don't think that's what the team needs. Personally, need, we don't need to be collecting more Dubes in my opinion. I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be a good player. I'm interested to see what he can do um, playing in a top six role. But, you know, like to me, the flame should be focused on like, Draft picks, getting lots. They should have got more draft picks. It would have been nice for them to turn to Foley into like a second round pick in this year's draft. A first would have been great, but if the market sucks, hey, a, a second and a third, like you couldn't squeeze the third into a second. It's just kind of like, okay, you kind of missed on your what you got in terms of assets back too. And then your deal, you signed Igor too, right? Like you're saying, if he's what they think he's going to be and he's a player who can pop in Calgary and can... Because, right, they like him. They obviously like him. They said, we want to acquire that player. So they think he can be that player. So why are you signing him to a deal that walks him to UFA and pretty much relinquishes all of your your surplus value that you could be having with a player like this? Like, if he scores 30 goals next year playing beside Huberto, and then he scores 30 goals again the next year, like, you're going to have to pay this guy, like, what, $9 million a year on a long-term deal when he's... 27 you don't want to do that so you kind of relinquished you know the value of this trade which would be getting a young player who's you know under team control and you can buy some ufa years and possibly have a really good value deal down the road so it just seems like from top to bottom that fully trade is like yeah i don't the, the whole every single part of it seem to have issues and, you know, like he could be good and, and sign an extension next year or whatever, but it just seems, just seems kind of short-sighted. It's very low risk, but it's also very low reward. So yeah, I was I, I, very whelmed by the entire ordeal. Yeah. And, and like, to be honest, what it really, what it really highlights highlighted is that how much they fucked up not trading some of these guys at the trade deadline last year. Oh like, yeah. That's, I've that was just like, that just was just like, if you would have done what Nashville did, imagine we could have got to, for Toffoli when Nashville rolls in with a whole draft class for Tanner Janot. Like you could have just loaded up, even just trading Toffoli. So that's what resonated to me and was really frustrating. Rhett, Rhett had a good rant on that on Barnburner. Like that was probably the best rant he's had since the inception of that show. Because instead of instead of doing what they should have done, they're so goddamn stubborn. Oh, we can make the playoffs still. Oh, we, oh, we just. Yeah. Big that, that's more of my frustration. Like, I'm a little annoyed, but I'm, I'm still, like, willing. Like, this is early on. It's not like Conroy got, like, fleeced. Well, he maybe kind of, I don't know. He, it, it, the, initially, you were like, holy shit, did we get yeah. freaking hosed? Like, that's brutal. What are you doing? You traded the best player on your team for another Dubé and a third-round pick. 
But then he after some thought, it's like, yeah, maybe this can work out. But I mean, like the the real crime is not trading to Foley at his peak value at the trade deadline last year for a haul. Yeah, absolutely. With Igor, like his his release is pretty sick. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. I went back and I was watching some of his highlights, and I was like, okay, hey, if you can score like 20, 25 goals, I'll take it. Yeah, I'm. I again, like I think. I think just for me, like I'm more looking at like I think yours gonna be a fine player, and I'm excited to see what he has to do. And but mm-hmm. I'm just looking at the opportunity cost of what what you could have got back for Toffoli ahead of a really deep draft. So, exactly. um, yeah. But it, yeah, I, I he he might fit into the top six. I think you know he's he's fast, he's bigger, he's got a wicked shot. They need somebody who can score. So yeah, I'm excited to see what he can do. Good rush guy too. That's, that's yeah, I'm sure Huberto is excited. I mean, he's like Lucic is gone. This guy can score off the rush and has a good shot. Thank goodness. Igor's got good PK analytics too. So yeah, was... I think a good comparable is is Dubé, right? And I'm not a huge. And that's just me. Like I haven't watched a lot of Devils hockey, so but I think that is a good comparable kind of a guy who has some offensive upside and skill, but has kind of struggled to carve out a consistent role on a team. Yeah. So honestly, like. All the best to Igor. He's on our he's on our team now, so I hope he pops off. A breakout would be unreal. breakout, dude. Like, are we not due for one? Can we have some like something for like? Can we have our Sam Bennett right that another yeah. team gave up on and is like, oh, I can't believe we traded Sharon Govich. Like, why can't we? If that ever happened to us, can this be one, please? Can this be it? Like, yeah, this yeah, would be nice literally. for for literally. once. Literally, I guess uh, Lindholm kind of happened, but. Mm-hmm. Still, it'd be it'd be nice to be on the other side of that for once. I guess now we can quickly get into the draft. What did you think of the draft hall? I'm the yeah. biggest Etienne Moran fan on the board. Yeah. Good pick. That was a good pick. Yeah. I think again, Mr. Freaking Negative over here. Sorry to like cast a cloud, but like I, my disappointment, because I got really excited when all the news came out. It was like, oh, Backlund wants to leave. To, to, this sounds weird, but like to get excited when guys want to leave. Backlund wants to leave. Toffoli wants to leave. Hannafin wants to leave. Lindholm wants to leave. I was like, yes, thank you. You're going to force these guys to rebuild. Thank you. So I was like getting all hyped up on like, oh man, imagine how many draft. Imagine what we can do ahead of this draft. I can't wait because this draft is so hyped. There's so many great players available into the second and third and fourth rounds. And the first round is stacked. I was just like, my, my imagination was running amok. Then they don't do anything. They recoup the Cali Yarncroft pick in the Sharon Govich trade, which is funny. But that was my kind of number one takeaway was like, okay, I'm just, I'm disappointed that you didn't accrue more picks in what will be one of the best drafts in the last 20 years. That was my first takeaway. And I think kind of like my main, like there's just, you couldn't have like flipped Nikita Zadora for a second. You couldn't have turned like Dan Vladar, like for a second or a third, even like, just man, you could have been a bit more proactive and, and gone after it a bit more. So that was that was my disappointment, you know. And I think you know with the Hansik pick, like the more I hear about him and the more time I've had to reflect, is like yeah, lots of people are really high on this guy and um, think he's going to be a good player and speak barely highly of him. And you know, you watch some of his highlights now, and yeah, I think he's I think he's a great player. But I think the initial kind of reaction when he got picked you know, was kind of like, uh, there's so many guys on the board with just like, you know, that upside, that, that skill. So I think, you know, I think most people, maybe including myself, were just kind of like, man, I wish you had maybe just gone for a more of a home run swing at 16 based on who was still on the board. But um, yeah, he seems like a great player and he, he was projected to go around there. It just seemed like with the guys who were still left, it's like they could have maybe like, you know, swung for the fences a bit more, but um, other than those two really negative nitpicks, I think it was a very good draft for the Flames. Mm-hmm. It's probably the best haul that we've had the last few years, to be honest. Oh, wow. You didn't like last year's draft where it had like two picks and then Conroy let all of them go except like one guy? <laughs> it was so weird when we had Parker Bell on. on oh, the yeah. And I was just sitting there the whole time just being like, please please go pro. Cause like you're one of three guys that got selected. Like, please. Like, um, well, I, I think that's like the takeaway, right? It's like the flames added two guys 
I think in in Hanzek and and Moran to like instantly be well, obviously Hanzek, but like Moran as well become probably like top ten prospects in the mm-hmm. system right now. So, you know, I think that speaks to kind of how shallow it is, but also like you have to start building it at some point. So at least we're not deficit spending draft picks like Brad did every year. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I, it's it was good to get like a whole draft class of players. Mm-hmm. Rather than like, oh, well, we're missing our second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth because Brad acquired Brett, Nick, and is there another Richie brother? All the Richie brothers at last trade deadline. So that was nice. You were going into Hansek, which I was going to talk about. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he he sat third among WHL rookies this past year through 43 games played. He had 56 points. He missed 25 games due to injury, but... He was a finalist for the Jim Piggott, which is the WHL Rookie of the Year. Uh, he led the Vancouver Giants in points per game, represented Slovakia at the World Junior Championship last two tournaments, and he played for HK Dukla Trenson. That's that's an address. That's not a hot right. In Slovakia's top men's league in 2021-22, he had 10 goals and 14 points um, in that stint. If he goes back to the Giants this season, he's probably going to be captain. So that's another layer that I'm actually looking forward to. But yeah, I like, I really like the whole um, bromance thing that he's got with uh, Adar Suniev. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Jaden Lipinski, like their teammates um, with the Giants. So I guess quickly in order. Hanzek was the first round pick. Etienne Moran, who was above a point per game as a defenseman in Moncton at the QMJHL. He's our second rounder. Adar Suniev is that second piece in that Toffoli deal. His JFresh, no, not JFresh, the Bader model that yeah. projected him. He's got yeah, it likes him. Yeah, it likes him a lot. So I'm like, you know what? If the Bader model likes him, I'll like him too. Yeah. Uh, round fourth round pick, Jaden Lipinski. Sixth rounder was Yegor Yegorov, a Russian, another Russian goaltender. So now we've got Yegorov and Sergeyev in the pipeline. Where is, is Chechilev still around? I'm not caught up on that. Did he? I, I think he is. But He's he, out there somewhere. He was definitely signed by the Wranglers, but like this past season, he signed some sort of contract with the Wranglers. But the reason I remember him is because he, I sent him a DM on Instagram, and he was like cool about it. Yeah, it wasn't an NHL deal, but it was definitely something that I had to do with the with the A. And then seventh rounder defenseman Axel Herding, which is kind of cool because he got selected by the Hitman in the import draft. Yeah. Now we actually have someone who's part of the Flames organization who could be playing for the Hitman. Not like Joe Aginla would have been an option too, but I'm just saying, like, just yeah, swinging a swing a miss on that one, guys. Jeez. <laughs> Like, um, hey, like, even from a tickets perspective, are you kidding me? I don't really go to Hitman games. If Iggy was, Joe, if his son was playing for the Hitman, I'd be there. Yeah, I'd go to so many games. Totally. I, oh, man. Like, big mistake. <laughs> I guess then we can quickly touch on free agency. So Yeah, I'll just say, I'll just say like one more thing, just kind of like on Cronroy's like drafting philosophy. Like, I, you know what, like, I, I do kind of like... You know, I, it's kind of funny, though. I kept saying this to people. It's like, I swear to God, if Daryl was still coach and they were selecting all these big players, the Twitter reaction would have been, everyone would have been freaking out. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if they had selected Hanzek and Daryl was still coach, everybody would be like, oh, he's just picking up because he's big and he's WHL, stupid Daryl Sutter, dinosaur. I mean, it's just hard to say that. But, you know, I do like, I do kind of think, like, I think that's what makes Hanzek maybe more like an attractive guy and, and Suniev as well. Like maybe his skating needs some work, but you know, that is something the flames do lack. I think organizationally, not that you're drafting based on organizational need necessarily. You're hopefully trying to always pick the best player available, but you know, like I think they've had a history of like drafting big guys who don't have skill and um, also big guys who like aren't physical presence. Like you think of like the Jankowski pick. It's like, he was just big. You know what? Like, that's it. Like he didn't use his tools. Like Hanzek uses his tools. So does Sunyev. And it's like, you know, you just watch Vegas. Like to me, like I'm an Alberta boy and I like, I do like that WHL hockey where it is like they're big boys and they play like monsters, right? Like, yeah, 
protecting the puck in the corners on the forecheck on the cycle on the walls. Like I, I appreciate that. And I always kind of look for that. And I think that's something the flames do kind of need. Like it's always fun to draft like the, the smaller skilled guys. And I'm not saying there's any wrong with that, but it is kind of like, you know, you look at these teams who dominate the league. Like I don't think when, when older guys like Sutter or whoever, just cause Daryl, we know has always said, Oh, you need to be like big and down the middle and stuff like that. Like they're not wrong. Right. Like you, you watch who wins the cup every year and it's like they have big, strong centermen. Mm-hmm. So you need that in your organization. And really the best way to get that is through the draft. So, um, yeah, I, I, I thought the size thing, they didn't draft solely for size, but, um, it was kind of interesting. That's kind of the philosophy they took. Yeah. All in all, I was, I was a fan of the class that we hold in free agency. Yeah, it's uh, just Kevin Root. The fact that Kevin Root, like, I'm just thinking because I'm glad Conroy didn't sign anybody personally. Uh, number one, you don't have any money, so you can't. Unlike yeah. Brad, who's doing his thing in Toronto, where he's just like, oh, it's so funny. I made this meme about, like, like the Spider-Man meme where it's like Conroy sitting there with no cap space, tons of money tied up. It's just like tons of no trade clauses. He's just totally screwed he's just sitting there like i can't do anything except sign jordan Osterley. and brad's out in toronto just like handing out money who wants money you want money i got tons of money hey john klingberg tyler everyone's like oh brad's doing a great job it's like no he isn't he's just spending money he's just like poor conroy just left with the brad just freaking bombed and took off and spending all his money it's so funny but yeah, yeah the the, uh, the Osterley thing kind of was like the Rooney, well, not quite because the Rooney thing was so ridiculous. I don't think I've ever been more mad in my life because if you remember, R- the Rooney signing happened right after we had lost Gaudreau. Yeah, and it was like it was like the first free agent signing of the day last year. The first one. It was like Flames signed Kevin Rooney to a two-year, what three point two point six two point six million dollar deal. Yeah, I've never been more mad in my life in my whole life. <laughs> so I, I'm glad Conroy had no money. I'm glad he's not looking to sign free agents. We don't need free agents. You never need free agents. Get them off waivers. Get them. Let the kids play. No free agents. Yeah. Um, so Lucic and Lewis go back to their nostalgia roots. Yeah. Each goes back to Boston. Lewis goes back to L.A. Troy Stetcher. Your buddy. So I have a story. So okay, I was in I was in Europe. I was in France, and on the flight from Paris to Calgary, there was my seat, the aisle, Troy Stetcher, literally to my left, and I didn't even realize that it was Troy Stetcher until like hour five of the flight because he had he had his hat like over his face and he was you know out for the count. He was sleeping, and at first I was like, "Is that Troy Stetcher?" Like I'm on I'm not sure if that's Troy Stetcher. Then I looked, saw his hair, and then I saw his side profile, and I was like, "No, that 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 can't be Troy Stetcher. That's Troy Stetcher." But deep down, I was like, "Wasn't he in Greece? Why was he? Where? Why was he in Paris?" I was like, "Oh, people ask like, how diehard are you?" Yeah, I stalk the players and their significant others on social media. Like, I know where they're at. Like, oh, he was in Greece. This doesn't make sense. Why was he on a flight from Paris? Like, Hi, Troy. How's your wife and your dog and your entire life and all these details I shouldn't know about you? I'm not creepy. <laughs> literally i was like why are you on a flight from paris to calgary weren't you just in greece anyway so i started a conversation with him because i was like you know what this is cool so i asked and we started talking and i just subtly dropped a i wish the flames would have been able to re-sign you and he goes me too man me too they lowballed me he signed for 1.1 mil in arizona yeah so what was our offer? Murray Edwards was just like doing his year end. And it's whatever he had available and like, yeah, oh, I've got 700 grand available. Can't do it. That's yeah. funny, but a bummer. Yeah. So, I mean, as soon as he made the dog shit remark, I kind of knew like he was gone. Like the Kennedy Twitter rental, the second that was tweeted. I mean, that's true, right? Like he and he likes Arizona. Like, okay, little uh, Calgary rant. It's like people if you come from Arizona, where it's like they pick up their trash and their dog shit, and there's like no litter anywhere. And then you come to Calgary, and there's like shit everywhere. <laughs> I can see. I, I 
Me personally, I'd be like, no, I'm not. For dog shit reasons only, I wouldn't sign in Calgary. I 100% agree with Troy Stidler. <laughs> yeah, no, he's a beauty. Poor guy missed his connection, too. Because oh. he was coming in from Greece over to Vancouver, and apparently they didn't have any direct flights. So he went from Greece to Paris to Calgary to Van. Oof. And the Paris, our, our flight from Paris to Calgary was delayed an hour. So he missed his connection over to Van. So when by, well, by the time I talked to him, Buddy was just drained. Like he was like, he knew he was missing his flight and he was like, this sucks. Like life sucks. Like, oh, there's nowhere, there's nowhere worse to be like in, like there's nowhere worse to be than the Calgary, well, maybe the Pearson airport. Calgary airport's pretty gross too, but that's a rough go. <laughs> yeah. So that's my little Troy Stetcher rant. That's a uh, bummer. I would have liked to see him back. I know a lot of people would. I liked him. Me too. Just a quick word from the sponsor. New customers, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. In West Virginia, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games are regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly. In partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races. In Connecticut, help is available. Call 888-789-77 or visit ccpg.org. Must be 21 years of age or older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. One boost is eligible per game, and an opt-in is required, with a max bet of $50. 10-plus legal requirement for 100% boost. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash baseball terms. Now back to the show. Do you want to talk a little bit about the pending UFA guys? Because I feel like we're just banging the same drum. When does training camp start? Like, like guys have to report in September, don't they? Like, what's going on? I I don't know. And the thing that I forget who brought it up, but I remember that nine by eight rumor, right? That came out. I'm like, if there's any validity to that, that's seventy two million dollars that. He's never going to get anywhere else. If he's taking this long to decide on $72 million, you have your answer. I know. It's insane. Like, oh, my God. Hey, like, do you want to be, man, well, there's a whole discussion to be had about the whole thing. But I think that's exactly right. Like, if he hasn't said yes, then why aren't you trading him? And, I mean, this is kind of like, again, like a microcosm of the Toffoli thing where it's like, Okay, like I'm willing to give Conroy the benefit of the doubt right now and be like, hey, patience is, you know, like the patient approach. Maybe this turns into like a Matt Duchesne, Joe Sackick situation where it's like Sackick could have dealt that problem away, you know, like when Matt Duchesne asked for a trade, but he didn't. He was just like, no, I will do this the way I need to do it and I'll get the result I want. And he ended up turning that into like, I think the pick that became Kale McCarr, whatever he got, the whole franchise turned around after that trade. Or like a Stevie Y with Jonathan Drouin situation where it's like, no, we're waiting this out. And it's not the same because it's not like Lindholm's holding out. You're begging him to stay, which I think is the main problem. But I guess right now you kind of have to be like, okay, patience is good. But at the same time, it's kind of like, I feel like this is a huge gamble when it's like, okay, if you had been proactive and like dealt to Foley right away and like, you say, you say to Lindholm, you say, you know what? Like, if you don't give me an answer to this 72 million which seems like a pretty accurate report that's floating out there. And it's got, sounds accurate. It's got to be in that neighborhood. If they're rolling out the red carpet for him, it's not like, oh, we're going to give you $7 million. No, yeah. he's getting nine plus million. Um, but you say, hey, July 1st, your deadline. If it's no, then it's a no. Now we have our answer and we can work towards a deal. That feels like what should have happened in order to gain yeah. In order to resolve the situation in the best possible manner. Now, like that's that remains to be seen. But I feel like now they're just playing this waiting game. I think they're playing is just like, and I mean, from from my perspective, my worry is like, because what it sounds like is like Lindholm kind of is, he's mulling it over and he wants to see the direction of the team. So like, 
My worry is that he's waiting to see the teams make more moves to like be competitive in the short term before he signs on to this contract that will inevitably probably cripple the franchise in like three to four years. Right. So I think that's my like more upstream worry. It's not just the contract. It's not just the fact that you probably already missed a chance to like get a haul back for Lindholm ahead of the draft. It's that, Okay, is he saying like, yeah, I'll sign if you, you know, depending on what you get for Hannafin. If like Hannafin's isn't a future, like if you're going to be competitive, show me you're going to be competitive moves and I'll sign. Like that worries me a lot. I, like I think that worries me too in the sense that like Lindholm's sort of waiting for the team to dictate his decision. Yeah, yeah. Like you, like let, why not just let him be GM? Like he's making all the decisions apparently. Yeah, and, and the team is waiting on Lindholm to dictate yeah. the path forward. That's yeah. what it feels that's like. The like yeah, that's like, the problem. Yeah, that's a that's a problem to me. Yeah. I feel like somewhere there's Murray Edwards just like holding a gun <laughs> to Craig's head, like Oh totally. Playoffs. Playoff. Has he signed? Has he signed? Has he said like I thought about this like one meme that I like made? I was like they were like, so Elias, uh, you're resigning, right? And he's just like, uh, I'm thinking about it. Elias, what about now? Uh, no. What about now? I just said no. What about now? Uh, you know what? Still thinking about it. I talked it over with Annika. We're thinking about it. Uh, what about now? You signed it? Uh, I don't know. Still thinking about it. What about now? Back to no. We're, we're back to no. We went from thinking. To, we went. That's what's happening. Thinking, thinking to no. Okay. What about now? What about now? What about now? Let's up the, no, let's not up. I'm Craig sitting there like, no, let's not up anything. It's $9 million. <laughs> shut up, Craig. <laughs> Tie Craig up and shut him up in his office. Have you ever seen the community where they like switch out the deans and have like a tyrannical dean, identical dean? That's kind of what I feel like they do with Conroy. It's like they just tied him up, threw him in a room, got out a guy who looks like Conroy to do like all the things that Murray wants to do. That's probably what's going on right now. Yeah, Craig, Craig is a scroll. And yeah. he's <laughs> yeah, somewhere, yeah. somewhere being just he's just tied up, up in the bowels of the saddle dome. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, that part, that part kind of like, yeah, it just feels like, it just feels like they're not giving their, le- they're giving away their leverage, right? It's like, you're not taking control. Of this. And then, again, this may be proven wrong, depending on what they do. But you know what, like, I think it is, I don't know, like from, I think most pan- fans perspective, it is kind of alarming that they are so hell bent on paying Lindholm this money when it's like, all of us, all of us can agree, like, we love Lindholm. He's a very good player. But, Absolutely. like, given where the Flames are at in terms of, you know, how much money they have committed to guys who are over 30, like, I I did a comparison the other day where it was, like, only the Sharks, the, the Sharks are the only comparable in terms of players when they signed their extensions at the age of, like, 29, 30, into the 30s. Like, you look at the top four paid players on any other team in the league, it's no, it's it's not players who are thirty and going to be paid until they're thirty eight years old. Like, there's maybe one guy like that, right? Like, okay, well, Dallas, like everybody, like, oh, Dallas has Sagan and Ben. Those deals expire when those guys are thirty five. Like, these deals are going to be killer when you have four guys locked up to like thirty five, thirty six, thirty seven. Oh man, that's like that. It you're. It's just like you said this on the last one. It's like the path they can take is like right there. It's like just like you just have to, you know what, like trade some guy, trade Lindholm, like don't have to give him this money. Or if you do like work, move some money out some other way. But it's just like they're just like, no, we're going this way. We're going this way. It's like they're at the casino. They're gambling. You know, they're they're in debt. They're in debt. And their solution is double down, yeah. double down harder, more. And hey, maybe that bit pays off. Maybe this team comes out next year and like Lindholm and Huberto or Gaudreau and Lindholm like, and they win the Stanley Cup. But that seems very far fetched, and that seems like a ho- that's a hope and a prayer. So, yeah, yeah, it's just very worrisome to me. And I, you know what people say, like, oh, the cap's going to go up. So, like, it's going to go up what to a hundred million dollars by the time these guys are making a lot of money, like proportional. What happens when Rasmus Anderson needs his next deal? Do you think he's taking less than $10 million based on where the cap is at? Do you think Matthew Coronado, if he has a great first two years, is like, just oh, yeah, I'm going to take a bargain deal, guys. All the players you're going to need to sign down the road, they're 
percentage of the cap is going to go up as well. So you're going to be in trouble. Like I think I said a way to think of it is like, Hey, imagine back when Monaghan and Gaudreau made uh, signed their extensions initially back in like 20, 2015 ish, 16 ish, whenever yeah. that was like, I think Monaghan signed a 6.3 million for six years, Johnny for 6.75 for six years. Like, so imagine those guys are being signed and you're trying to sign those guys long-term and you have the proportional amount the flames might have with, $33 million locked up in four players over 30 at that point, that would, you wouldn't have been able to do it. Like that's what you're setting yourself up for if you do this. So mm-hmm. it just seems like they're just playing with so much fire. And it's like, do you want to be the sharks? Cause that's what you're going to be. If you, if you go down this path, I don't think it's escapable. I, I don't think you, I don't. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's super, it's not even risky. It's just like, insane risk for like minimal reward you might be a good team next year and the next year but after that it's like i don't know like it could just be a nosedive so very risky business um and i guess someone who has given a clear answer noah hannafin he straight up what his intentions are he's still he's still here he's still on the team like what 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 are you doing? It's not even that he's mulling it over. He's straight up. Yeah. Told he's like, me. no, I'm not coming back. Yeah, that that part, the, like the Hannafin one, low key confuses me more than the Lindholm one. Yeah, well, he's- it's like again, like as soon as that's that's kind of like where I'm at with my with like I'm like trying to be like, hey, it. Sh- I think it should have been done proactively rather than this patient approach. Yeah. Time will tell, right? Like, maybe this pays off. I hope it does. I hope I hope Conroy is handling this you know yeah open a prayer has a handle on it exactly but it just seems like if you had been like hannafin it's like gone right it feels like it feels like you could have you could have set the market rather than like now the market's shitty and everybody's lowballing you for hannafin it feels like you could have nailed a hannafin trade and like beat the market to where it's at now that's what it feels like from the outside anyways it's like be proactive on that trade them immediately you could have got at least theoretically and who knows but you know what like it's just it's it's a tough spot right like where they are cap wise and i think that's what it comes back to me is cap wise it's like because i keep thinking i'm like hey like teams are in this position all the time you know like why is this such a weird it's because we have so much money already allocated to guys like i like i think that's the root of this and they don't have like a solid foundation of prospects it's not like you can go into next season. You can't lose Noah Hannafin for nothing. You can't yeah. lose Elias than home for nothing. Why? Because there's nothing there to fill fill yeah. that gap at all yet. Like nothing even close. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the bigger problem, right? And that's how that's why the Flames are in this mess is because you know they they've screwed away draft picks. They they haven't developed players particularly well over the past ten years. A lot of their young guys are gone, right? Or or you know like haven't been developed and are on other teams doing really well. So that's where I think the main problem is the root cause of all of this is like, you, you have a gap there where it's like a team like Carolina. Yeah. We can lose Dougie Hamilton, even though he's just coming off a North season because we have an influx of great young players that we can keep building upon who are cheap as well. And our cap is like spotless. Flames don't have any of that. Their cap is really tight. They don't have any money. They don't have any young stud players who can go into the lineup right now. So that's why you're screwed right now. Yeah. Not screwed, but that's why you're in such a tough spot. Media in Sweden is out here reporting that (laughs) Backlund, like every two days there's a Backlund article about not wanting to re-sign here. And I'm like, okay, well, is that a straight-up answer? Because if it is, then you have another one. Why is he on the team still? Right? Well, yeah, like... That was funny because that was like that was like a few days ago, right? Like the 16th or something. And yeah. then like somebody finally picked up on it. I think it was very lost in translation. Based on what I heard, it was kind of like more like him saying, you know, like we haven't, we probably won't sign or something. It wasn't him being like, I'm leaving Calgary, as yeah. some people may have took it. But yeah, like, hey, like he said he's not going to really sign. And Backlund is maybe the one exception where it's like, I, you can... I don't mind playing his contract to the conclusion. And if it's handshake, walk away, great job. Loved having you here at the end of next year. That's fine to me. Yeah, me too. But again, like if it's 
everyone. You can't you can you can afford to lose some guys for nothing, but not everyone. Every single yeah, exactly. Right? And that again, like that's why we're in this predicament because you lost Giordano for nothing. Because you lost, you had to pay to give Monahan away because you lost control for nothing. You didn't properly fill the pipeline in the way you needed to. And that's why you can't lose these guys for nothing too. A younger guy that we're, we're not going to lose for nothing, Dylan Dubé, because they want to sign him. Ryan Pike reported that extension talks have already begun. Um, uh, see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I wish Conroy had been in charge when all I can say is like, I find it infinitely funny, not funny, but kind of sad to you. There's like everything they're doing with Lindholm is like what they if they had done that with Gaudreau, he'd still be on the team. Yeah, roll out the red carpet instead of like spitting his face. But yeah, they they, they didn't make Elias cry from the first offer. They're yeah, like, they didn't be like Elias, you suck. Actually, we're gonna give you below market value. Anyways, <laughs> I'll get it over that one day, but not today. <laughs> like all that pending UFA stuff is just so up in the air. Yeah, it's, it's so up in the air. Yeah. Oh, it's totally. And it's just kind of like the longer time goes. Like I feel like the fan base. Like, obviously, we had last year where we were kind of waiting for George to sign, and it was just like everybody was holding their breath. It's like, holy fuck, what's going to happen? He's going to sign, right? He's going to sign, right? It's kind of different because we're kind of like, please don't sign now, right? We're just like, Lindholm saying no is like, thank you, Elias. Thank you. You're saving our franchise by, like, trying to go to the flames. Um, But it's a different kind of anxiety where it's like, can, like, what if we still, like, are the Flames going to start the season with Lindholm unsigned and Hannafin unsigned and and Backlund and like that's what's going to happen? Like, I don't like the sound of that. Michael Stone announced his retirement and now he's part oh, of sucks player development role. So at least he's still in the org. Um, his slap shot is going to always be stuck in my head, and that meme that you made is always going to be stuck in my head. Blasting, I'm blasting it. Oh yeah, I started blasting. Yeah, no, that was cool. I, you know, it's funny because you look at his career arc as like, um, he was the second longest tenured flame behind Backlund, which was funny too. Um, but you look at his career arc from like when we acquired him, I really liked him, and then he just got really, you know, he's like one of Brad's guys. Like, why do you keep signing this guy? I want to see Shillington, so I like developed hate for him, and then. He redeemed himself in the most epic way possible. It's like working his way back in the lineup and being awesome in the playoffs last year. It was pretty cool. So, yeah. I did have, sorry, one comment on Dubé. So I'm talking too much, but, um, you know, like if the Flames do want to sign him, okay. I'm pretty, I'm still kind of skeptical. Like he's 25. I think he's kind of like, maybe he could be Sam Benedict where he kind of does take off at some point. But the one thing I wanted to say is like, I don't understand why they don't play him at center. I've been saying this for like four years almost because like I re- I like Dubé a lot. I watched him in Kelowna or <clears throat> World Juniors, all that. I liked him as a player. Like I think he is better as a center than he is as a winger. And it just doesn't make sense to me that they don't play him as a center. Like I just look at how they handled Sam Bennett where I was like, oh yeah, he's he's going to be our number one center that we've needed that we haven't had since Joe Newendike. And then he gets here and he plays the wing. Like, what are you doing? Why does he not play center? And then he goes to Florida. He's a center and he's great. And it's like, holy shit. Wow. Why didn't we think of that? So, you know, I look at Dubé and it's like, he, he, to me, kind of is a similar player to Ben Where You know, I, I don't know if the hockey sense is there, but he plays in straight lines. He forechecks hard. He's got a lot of speed. Play him at center. You know what? Like, I think he could be a good, I think he could be a good centerman. Like, right? Like Bennett with Huberto. Huberto had his best season playing next to Bennett. Put him down the middle with Huberto. He carries the puck well. I remember I, there's a great article I read by Jack Han from like three or four years ago that just like broke down Dubé's zone entries um, on the wing versus at center. It's like he's so one-dimensional. Like I just feel like his skill set is so much better being a center where he's – he doesn't have – you know, like he, he just plays. Like I think on the wing he's too stationary and they're not really extracting as much as they can from him there. So put him at center. Put him with Huberto. Tell me he, he can skate. He can carry the puck. He's a great four-checker. He's fast. I think he'd be a great fifth Huberto. Put him at center. Do Fix the wrong you made with Bennett and play him at center. Actually see what you have. Yeah. Like, what did he do to show you that he's not a center to me? Like, I, I don't even recall him. I think he's played, like, maybe a handful of games at center as a, as a flame. You know? And even, like, in those games when he was a center, and particularly in that shitty North Division year, but in that season, 
he did play center for a few games and you could already tell that there was a difference in yeah. the turn that you were getting out of placing him in his natural position. Right. Well, it's like everybody gets mad about, Oh, Hubert will play right wing. It's like, well, what about guys who have been, who were centers their whole career? And then now it's like, Oh, well, we'd like to play him all three positions. Like, and it cracks me up. It's like they had Jankowski play center of all th- <laughs> of the three guys, like Bennett, Dubé and Jankowski. It's like, yeah, let's give Janko the, the center ice position. But I mean, even you can compare him to a guy like Rosica too, who like, I like Rosica. He's a fine player. But like, I think Dubé does more down the middle than Rosicka would. So yeah. just give him a shot. I don't know. Just try it. Mm-hmm. It's something you need too. Like, you know, like if you could go down, like if Lindholm's not on the team, I don't know. Let's say Lindholm's on the team. I still think going Lindholm, Kadri, Backlund, like... <laughs> Depending on where Lin, if Lindholm plays with Hubert or wherever, but you, I, I still think he's best suited at center ice. Yeah, <clears throat> me too. And I guess we covered everything. We can end the show off on March second. Mika Kippersoff's jersey retirement. Let's go, Mika Kippersoff. Yeah, up, like everyone, 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 everyone talks about Jerome as like the, yeah. the guy that like got them into Flames hockey. For me, it was Kipper. Like that was my first, that was, he was my first jersey, and I kept wearing that jersey until I was in the ninth grade. Like I kept wearing that into 2015. It, like I, yeah. it's so tiny. It's like the size of my torso now, but it's it is what it is. It's it's funny because I see a lot of people. Oh, it's about time. It's like the fact that it took this long is actually I think perfect. Right? It's like so kipper. It's like because I guarantee you, it hasn't been because the Flames don't want to retire it. It's not like they're like, yeah, we don't want to retire the number. We don't think he's worthy or whatever. It's because Kipper has been like, I don't care. I don't want to come to Calgary. And I don't, I'm not flying. You, nothing you can do will make me fly to Calgary for a ceremony for my jersey. So they probably got Conroy and again, let it finally convince him to come do it. You could see he's doing the media rounds this week. It's so funny. Like I, I just saw him just seeing his face just cracked me right up. It just took me back. It was like. You know, he he used to pretend he couldn't speak English. We didn't have to talk to the media. It was, oh, he's so funny. But you could see the pain where these got, people are just asking him questions. They're just like one after the other. They're like, so what does it mean? It must be so uh, great for you. And he's like, yep, really great. It's <laughs> so great. I'm really excited. And he's like, okay, can I go back to fishing now? I've got a, we've got a, we've got a pack of beer that's getting cold or it's getting warm out here. I got to get back. So. It's awesome. I freaking love Kipper so much. And yeah, like you said, like not only did he turn people into fans, but it's like he saved the franchise essentially like straight up. They don't go to the Stanley Cup final in 2004 without him. And they were in the financial shitter back then. And that run pretty much saved the franchise. So he should pretty much have a statue. And I think it's cool that, you know, like it's kind of shitty, like the unceremonious. And I mean, I think he did kind of retire unceremoniously. Um, where he was just like, yeah, I don't want to play for this coach. I don't want to play, play anymore. Like, get me out of here. Um, but, you know, you watch Iggy leave. You watch Gio leave. It's kind of cool. The Kipper, like, he was booking. He was here to the end. That's cool. I like that. People don't realize. I, it, it's kind of funny. Like, I was just perusing social media comments. There's so many casual fans who, like, don't understand how good he was. Like, they're just like, oh, they retire anybody's number now. And it's like, Darren Haynes had a tweet where he's like, in the 10 years Kipper played for the Flames, he had the most wins of any goalie and the other guys who were two, three, four are all in the hall of fame. He oh, was yeah. incredible. He was yeah. insane. That, that list is what like Broder, Lundqvist, et cetera. Yeah. Longo. And he's was, had more wins than all of them. He was so good. It was unbelievable. Dude. Like, like you don't like, you don't like, again, like we haven't had and even Markstrom, like we haven't had a goalie like that since where it was like, you can watch the game and it's like, cause the highlight real saves, Lots of people like talk about those posts. So like, that's cool. But what I remember is just like him, just like every puck, just like him sucking up, just like it wasn't going in. Nothing would go in. And if he did let a bad goal in, nothing else would go in ever. He was just incredible. Oh, yeah. He had this crazy record of like games where I can't, I, I looked for it and I couldn't find the exact thing, but it was something like games where he either got pulled or like, and he rarely got pulled. But like, if he had let in like five or more goals, the next game, he won like his record in, in games after getting like shelled was unbelievable. I, and the fact, he's just like smoking a pack in between periods and doing that is pretty hilarious. No, I, I can't wait. I'm that's the first, 
That's the first game I'm copying seeds to. Yeah. That's yeah. the first one. And it's even more of a sell that it's against Pittsburgh. Like, dude, you're you're retiring his number when Crosby and Malkin are here and potentially Eric Carlson. Like, just don't just don't start Markstrom. That that, that was my thing. I was like, I was like, please, please for the love of God, like Jerome Gimla's night will always be known as the night Mike Smith ruined, right? So I don't care who it is. Like, yeah. you can't ruin Kipper's night. Like, that game, yeah. I don't care what you, you have to do. You show up to that game. And you I said that. earlier that I've never been more mad than when Kevin Rooney's signing came after he lost Kudrow. I retract that statement. I have never been more mad than when Mike Smith purposefully destroyed the best celebration the Flames have ever had in AD night. Like, I will. I was a big Mike Smith fan up until that point. The last free agent signing that we quickly brought up, Brady Lyle. He's a defenseman, 24 years old, one year, 775. So, yeah, he's they added him to the Wranglers' decor. So, there's that. So, that's all the work that we've done. Jordan Jordan Osterley and Brady Lyle were the free agents. Thanks, guys. Brad. Thanks for tying Conroy's hand and, like, throwing him into the river with, like, a big freaking rock tied to his legs. While you're out there just living it up in Toronto, man. That's a good way to end the show. So, yeah, if you guys like what you heard, feel free to like, comment, subscribe, whether you're listening on YouTube or streaming or at least seeing our pretty faces on YouTube. There's that. But streaming also helps, too. Go check out the In the Dome podcast, also under the same network. And, yeah, so that was that's your little little – over an hour long update on what's happened since June 15th. And it was barely that much detail. So thank you for listening. <laughs>